0: But as you take your seat, I want to invite you to open your Bible to Psalm chapter 8. If you've got a Bible, open it up. We'll put these verses on the screen as well. And uh, while you're looking for that chapter in Psalm 8, I'm going to go ahead and pray. So you can pray with your eyes open if you have to. But let's ask for God's blessing on this word and on this week. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing this week at VBS. We have such high expectations for what you're going to do. And God, we just pray that your presence would be experienced by every child and by every volunteer that serves this week. And Lord, for these next few moments, as we open up the incredible word of God, Lord, we pray that you would speak to us from it today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Let me say, of all the ways that God shows himself to be monumental, there's none greater than what he's revealed in his word. And so because his word uh, reveals how great he is, we're just going to look at the word together. Psalm chapter 8, we're going to read the whole thing. But don't worry, there's only nine verses in it. And the first one and the last one are the same. You've already read the last one. So we're going to unpack Psalm chapter 8 together for a few moments. And we're going to begin in the first verse. Look at it with me. It says, Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name. In all the earth. And you say, wait, that sounds like verse 9. It's exactly like verse 9. It's like bookends for Psalm 8. It begins and ends the same way, with praise. Just like we're going to begin and end this service today. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. How many of you would agree with me and say that the earth is pretty awesome? Pretty incredible. I looked up some facts about this this awesome planet we live on, and I thought it was pretty cool to discover that there are 400,000 species of plants on planet Earth. There are 230,000 species of fish. It's amazing that there's that many fish, and we, we can't catch them. I fished for three days earlier this year. I didn't catch any of them. That's discouraging. There's 5,416 types of mammals. There's 10,000 types of birds, 17,802 species of reptiles and amphibians, and there's 7.4 billion humans on the earth. Isn't that amazing? And and of all of those things that, that I just mentioned, ours is the only planet in our solar system that has any of that. Pretty incredible, this planet that we live on. So I brought a globe up here with me just to illustrate how awesome earth is. Now, some of you, I know it's summertime, and some of you kids, you might think that, you know, you, you're, just, you're doing good because you're sitting really still in church this morning the way you should. Well, I want to tell you, you are not sitting still in church this morning. In fact, earth is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour right now. He, he knew. He said, I told you. <laughs> I told you. Pastor just fact-checked you, Mom. <laughs> What's even more amazing than that is while we're spending 1,000 miles an hour making a celestial 360 every day, we're also hurling through space at a velocity of 67,108 miles per hour, making our trip around the sun this year, flying at that pace, which means that even on the most boring, slow day of summer, when you're just laying around on the couch doing nothing, that means in that day you have traveled 1,599,793 miles through space. You've been busy this morning. Isn't it amazing, this earth that we live on? And David said, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And as amazing as the earth is, it's not enough to contain God's glory. That's why the next part of that verse, he goes on and he says, And you have set your glory in the heavens. Like as cool as the earth is, it's not quite enough. Can I tell you, that's monumental. That God puts his glory in the heavens. Now now look at the next verse with me because in verse Two, he's going to change it up. In the first verse, he says, look to the heavens and see how awesome and how glorious God is in the cosmos. But then he's going to go and he's going to look at the smallest, most frail living thing in humanity, a little baby. And he says this, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies. To silence the foe and the avenger. So, in other words, God, or God is saying through David in this moment that God is glorified in the heavenlies and in the helpless. In the most incredible thing that you can imagine, and also in the weakest person in the room, God is glorified through all of that. And then what I love about it is he says, in the mouths of children and infants, you have established A stronghold. Uh, Another translation says you have ordained praise. So what he's saying is even when, when a little baby in the nursery this morning decides to just give God a little patty cake praise, he silences the enemy. Like that's how powerful worship is. Isn't that incredible? To think that our nursery kids right now are giving the devil a migraine this morning. Like with their praise. He says he's ordained praise out of even the most small, helpless among us. And when they praise God, it silences the enemy and the foe and the avenger. That's incredible. And and the question is, if God can can demonstrate his glory in the heavenlies and in the humble, in a little baby, then what would make you or I ever think that God can't display his glory through our life? In, In our strongest moments and in our weakest moments. In the moments where you feel like you're at your absolute best or when you feel like you're at your absolute worst, I'm telling you today, God can and wants to be glorified in your life. Paul the Apostle talked about this, this idea in the book of First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27, he said this, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise and he chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So he takes things that we would look at and we would discredit. We say, it's too weak. It's not, they're not old enough. They're not big enough. And, and he says, no, I would use your weakness to show my strength. He wants to show his strength. And if you choose to let God use you as his instrument, your worship, however strong or weak it feels this morning, can silence the enemy. In fact, Jesus even quoted this psalm. He quoted these words. I'll set up the scene for you. He's in the temple, and, and he's, he's healing people. There was crippled people there, and Jesus touched them, and all of a sudden, they got up and walked. There were blind people there. Jesus touched them. All of a sudden, they could see. And so you can imagine, like, how excited everybody is. People are just, uh, I I mean, the temple court is abuzz with excitement. Even the little kids. The Bible says the kids were running around, and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David. They're singing in church, and they're running around. And the religious people saw that, and they got mad. Said, can you believe these kids running around in the temple court, singing these songs, and they went up to Jesus, and they asked him about it. It's in Matthew 21, verse 16. They said, do you hear what these children are saying, they asked Jesus? Yes, he replied. And then he quotes Psalm 8:2. He says, have you not read from the lips of children and infants you, Lord, have called forth your praise? He quotes that verse to him. And this this is what's so cool about Jesus. He doesn't just quote the verse to him, but in that moment, he's giving it context. Basically, what Jesus is saying in that moment is, I'm the Lord. Because, like, look, the children are singing, and he says, don't you remember what David wrote? That out of the mouths of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise. So in this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord. Here's the kids. They're singing the Lord's praise. But... Jesus, he, he can be so savage sometimes. I love this about Jesus because like, they had this way of teaching that, that a, a teacher, and Jesus was a rabbi, they would say the first part of a verse, and then the students would immediately, they, they would kind of fill in the rest of it. They would know the rest of it. It saved time, and it helped with the memorization. And, and, and so in this moment when Jesus says, here's the children, and, and I'm the Lord, and he quotes Psalm 8-2-A, immediately all those religious men knew 8-2-B. That if these are the children and you're the Lord, he's silencing the foe and the avenger. And Jesus kind of calls them out. As, and, th- and then literally the next verse says Jesus just, he just left. He just just walked away. He left. He went to Bethany for the night. Just left him standing there. Just called him out. Like Isn't that awesome? The word of God says that, that Jesus has ordained that we would praise him. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be on the side of the silenced ones. I don't want to be because God's going to be worshiped. Philippians says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. I don't want to be the ones that are silenced by the worship of God's children. I want to be on the side of the cosmos. I want to be on the side of creation. I want to be on the side of the children of God that say, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Anybody with me on that today? And when you do that, your worship's powerful. It's powerful. Look at the next verse with me. Verse 3 says this. When I consider, I don't know why I have a chair up here. I never sit down. I thought I'd try it. This is the first time I sat down in it. When I consider the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Have you ever considered the heavens? You should. I mean, I have a telescope back here, and if you look look through this telescope, you're going to see a lot more than what David saw. Now, when David said, I consider the heavens, probably out there, you know, without all the light pollution that we have, he might have been able to see as many as 5,000 stars. Maybe if we were out in Monument Valley right now, you know, out along the Arizona-Utah border, and, and we were looking up out there, maybe we could see two or 3,000 stars, maybe more with our eye. But if we had a, a telescope, even a 4-inch telescope, We wouldn't be able to see 5,000 stars. We'd be able to see 2 million stars. And and if we actually had one of those big, like, 200-inch mirrors in one of those observatories, scientists tell us we could see as many as a billion stars. David said, when I consider the stars. Have you ever considered that? I want to show you a picture of of how big Earth is compared to the sun. And, And the... Now we're we're that little blue dot on the left over there. If you can see some of you can you can't you can't see the blue dot cuz you're too old for VBS. But but it's above the word earth, okay? It's up there. There's a little blue dot. And on the other side is our sun. Our sun is absolutely incredible. We That distance, I know it doesn't look like it from here, but that distance is 93 million miles. 93 million miles from the sun to the earth. And so when the light leaves the sun, traveling at the speed of light, as fast as you can flip on a light switch and the light comes on, that's how fast the light is traveling. And in 500 seconds, it goes 93 million miles From the surface of the sun to your skin to give you a nice summer tan. In a little over eight minutes, that light gets from there to where you are. And what's incredible about this sun that we so appreciate, we really need, I mean, if we were just just a fraction closer to it, we would all just burn up, we'd incinerate. If we were just a little bit farther away from it, we'd all freeze to death. But we're just, just the right, just the right 93 million miles away. And what's crazy about that that sun is that sun is a star. And as big as it is compared to Earth, it's not even a big star. It's like an average star. Let me show you another picture of our sun compared to a giant star. See that little dot on the top left? That's our sun. And then on the top right, that's a giant star. But a giant star is not even the big star. Look on the bottom of that picture. A giant star now on the left, look how small it is compared to a super giant star. Uh, This is what blows my mind. David says, when I consider the moon and the stars, the work of your fingers, like God God made those with his fingers, the moon and the stars, which he set in place. I I think we ought to just consider the stars for a minute. Then he says in, in the next verse, what is man?" that you are mindful of them, human beings, that you care for them? I mean, that's a good question when you consider the stars. When you consider the stars, he says, what is man? What is mankind that that you're mindful of them? But here's what I love about what David said. He, He doesn't ask the question in a negative way. He doesn't even ask it in a doubtful way or a skeptical way. He actually, he never questions that God is mindful of man. He doesn't doubt that God is mindful when I consider the stars, when I consider mankind. He knows he's mindful. He just wants to know why. Like, I just can't believe it. When I, when I think about our, our solar system, when I think about all the species on the earth, when I think about mankind, I can't believe that you're actually mindful of us. In the same way that you can experience God's glory and majesty by looking out through a telescope into the heavens you can also experience it by looking at man through a microscope you can see how incredibly majestic our god our creator actually is in fact if you could if you could just take one strand of dna out of just one cell of your body and stretch that strand out it'd be 6 feet long i think we have a picture of a of a strand DNA up here. Now what's amazing about that is you have trillions of cells, so if just one strand of DNA could be six feet long, your trillions of cells would be billions of miles of DNA in, in the smallest body here in this service. Billions of miles of DNA. That means that your DNA, just one person, your DNA could stretch all the way 93 million miles to the sun and back 61 times. That's monumental. That's incredible to think about. And what's amazing about our complexity is that God knows us. Like, he knows every detail. In fact, Jesus said this in Matthew ten thirty. Jesus said, even the hairs of your head have been numbered. Every hair. He didn't say they've been counted. Because, I mean, let's be honest. For some of us, that would be easy. Like, I could do that. Some of you guys. He said they're numbered. Like, he remembers good old 743 that went out the drain, like, back in your 20s. Like, they're numbered. He knows all the hairs of your head. And what's so amazing about this God that, that, that formed the moon and the stars with his fingers is that he did the same for us. So that, I don't know if any of you kids have projects you're doing this summer, like keeping yourself busy. But uh, Morgan, my oldest daughter, she, she decided to learn how to crochet. This summer. So, you know, she did what I guess any kid does today. She went to YouTube University and just, you know, figured it out. And so she's been crocheting. She made this bag. Like, it's pretty good, right? With, with this. Like, she, she, made so- she made a pair of socks. Like, we're just, like, sitting watching movies and she's over there, you know, just making stuff. Which is awesome. And then this last week, you know, we're in the in the middle of the summer flow. My youngest daughter, Molly, she's like, I think I want to learn how to crochet too. So she got on YouTube and, and she figured it out. And she she took all the trash bag or the uh, the grocery bags out of our pantry, and and she made she crocheted this bag out of bags. I was like, that's pretty cool. So this is the bag bag. The bag bag. I think it could sell. But what blows my mind about like that you could, you could knit this together. You could, you, could just, you could just crochet this. The Bible says in Psalm 139 that God knows you full well. He knows you. He, he created your inmost being. It says he knit you together in your mother's womb. The same fingers that that knit you together formed the moon and the stars and the giant stars and the super giant stars. Think about it. This same God. So I I want the worship team to come back and and I I want to finish reading together what he says as he says, when I consider the heavens, the the moon and the stars that that you made with your fingers, what is mankind that, that you're mindful of them? And then he begins to think about Us, mankind, he says in verse 5, you made them, talking about people, a little lower than the angels and you crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks and the herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the sea. So he says of all the things, of all the species and the plant life, of everything that he made, we were the only ones that he created in the image of God. And all these other things that he made, he made for us to rule over. So think about this. Of all the incredible things that God made and of all the things that he's doing right now, he did it for us. He did it He did it for you. He did it for me. And then... It's no wonder after thinking about all that he gets to the end of his little song and it's verse 9 we're going to read it again he says lord help me our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth like how, how else could you respond to all of that and not say lord our lord How majestic is your name in all the earth? So I'm going to invite you to stand with me all over this room. I read a statement from C.S. Lewis this week. It was a good reminder for me. He wrote this back in 1958 in a work called Reflections on Psalms. Here's what he said. But it should be remembered that the Psalms are poems and poems intended to be sung. Not doctrinal treaties, nor even sermons. The reason I read that to you is because it's a good reminder to me that the reason David wrote this and the reason that I'm talking about it is not for the sake of a sermon or for us grasping all the doctrinal truth. It's to inspire worship. Like when we consider the heavens, when we, when we look into the cosmos, when we look at creation, when we look at little children, we ought to respond and say, Lord, our Lord, How majestic is your name in all the earth? So we're going to lift our voices for a moment. We're just going to respond to God and we're going to sing these words. How great is our God? Encourage somebody else to sing with you. Come on, lift your voice. Let's give him praise one more time. Would you put your hands together for the Lord? Amen. Amen. I I need you to know something. This is so important. I saved it for last. You got to know this. The most amazing display of God's glory it's not in the cosmos it's not in creation it's not even in children as amazing as they are his greatest display of his glory is in Christ his son amen The book of Colossians says that Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form. So all the glory of heaven in one package. And and Jesus is the only one that had all that glory in heaven, stepped out of it, and was knit together in his mother's womb so that he could experience God's glory as a newborn baby. And not only do that, but then, then he continued to live a sinless life. He, he never had a, a, a sinful thought, never said a sinful word, never did a sinful thing. Perfect. Perfect. And then he died a sacrificial death on the cross for all of us who aren't perfect. And then three days later, he rose from the dead. And 40 days after that, he ascended back up to heaven. So Jesus became The only connection, the only bridge from the glory of God to the glory of man. And then he became the only bridge for us to get from here to heaven. Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth on a cross. And and when the writer of Hebrews in the New Testament was, was trying to wrap his head around the glory of God, he quoted Psalm chapter 8, verse 4. He says, but but someone has written. There's a place where someone testified. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. That's... That's Psalm 8. But then, listen to what he says next. He says, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that was not subject to them. Yet, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. In other words, what the writer was saying is, you can't even imagine yet what it looks like to rule and to reign in jesus kingdom like when when god made adam and eve and put them on the earth they said i I want you to rule over this you're gonna you're gonna be the you're gonna be in charge of this earth but then the bible says you can't even imagine what it's actually going to look like to rule and reign you have no idea what it's really going to be like to have everything subject to you the bible says that that one day we're going to rule and reign with christ in his new kingdom the Bible says that he's the king of kings. So the people of God are going to have an incredible responsibility in the new heavens and the new earth. And I'm not trying to explain that to you because the writer of Hebrews said you can't get it anyway. Like, you don't even, you're not going to understand that. But look at what he says next. But, but even though you don't understand that, we, we do see Jesus, don't we? We do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Not long, but he left heaven and he was made lower than the angels and he lived as a man. And now, now that he went to the cross, now that he rose from the dead, now that he's back at the right hand of God, he is crowned, it says, with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. I don't care what you say about how awesome God is in the heavens or how awesome God is in the earth, it counts for nothing unless you understand how awesome God is in His Son. God revealed Himself to us to the fullest measure in the person of Jesus. So we sang like how great you are, sing with me how great. But Jesus is the revelation of God in bodily form. That's why we sang, you're the name above all names. You're worthy of all praise. And my heart will sing, how great is our God. So we're going we're gonna to pray one more time. And i want to ask you to bow your head with me and close your eyes. And I want to just ask a question to every person in this room, every young person, every parent, every grandparent, every senior adult, everyone. In this room, and within the sound of my voice, I want you to just ask your, your own self this question. Have I worshipped God in the Son, Jesus? Not just thankful that there is a God or that He made the heavens and the earth. Are you worshipping Jesus as the Lord of your life, as the Savior of the world. If you've never, maybe you're here today, and you're hearing this message, and you've never acknowledged Jesus from your heart as the Lord, I want to invite you right now to do that. Right now, where you're standing, with your head bowed, with your eyes closed, you and God are the only two in the room that know what's happening in your heart and in your mind right now. So just go ahead and be honest with Him. If you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life, can I invite you right now in this moment of prayer to surrender your heart to him. Right now in this moment, recognize there's no way, there's no way you could be good enough or have enough glory to ever elevate your life to a place of eternal life. There's no way you could get to heaven. But God bridged the gap. He sent Jesus to earth. He made a way for you to be saved. He made a way for you not just to get to heaven, but to have a relationship with God on the earth right now. So if you're here today in your heart, you're not living a life that is fully surrendered to Jesus. If your life doesn't worship Him the way He deserves to be worshiped, I want to invite you right now, Make a decision to give your life to Jesus. I'm gonna pray a prayer for you with every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm gonna ask the church to pray it with you out loud. We, We want to pray this with you because every person, whether you've never prayed a prayer inviting Jesus into your life or maybe you've been serving Him for a long time, every one of us need to make a daily decision that says, Lord, today, today I give you my life. Today, I worship you as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So would you pray this prayer with me? Come on. Let's say, dear God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for knitting me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And thank you for sending Jesus, your son, to die for me. On the cross My sins are forgiven Because I believe That his sacrifice was enough Jesus you're the Lord I surrender I give you my life Thank you For saving me Thank you for giving me this day For putting breath in my lungs. Now I give it back to you. In worship. Oh Lord. Our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Come on let's give him praise.